it's amazing to think that Messiah has come and that he is here this morning, the risen Christ, and that uh, the work has been accomplished. He has paid the price and he's here this morning and he wants to speak to us. And our title this morning is God is reaching for you. Are you reaching for him? Because I believe this morning that God is reaching out to you. The risen Christ is reaching out to you and he has something to say to you this morning. And it's life-giving. I was thinking as I was um, preparing for this about the famous Sistine Chapel in the ceiling in Rome. Michelangelo's creation of Adam. Where this picture is of Adam reaching out to God and God reaching out to Adam. And I, 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 that's, what I, that's the picture I have in my mind today. It's, uh, it's, he wants to touch you. It's a touch that will bring life. Uh, in that portrait, um, rather than wearing royal garments and depicted as an all-powerful ruler, the picture that God wears as only a light tunic which leaves much of his arms and legs exposed. I'm just reading this straight off to you. One might say this is a much more intimate portrait of God because he is shown in a state that is not untouchable and remote from man, but one which is accessible to him. I believe this morning that God wants you to know he is not inaccessible. He is not a remote God. He is leaning towards you. The Bible tells us his ears are leaning towards you. He wants to hear you. He wants to hear your heart, but he also wants to speak to you. And so we're going to continue. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke, and I'm not going to recap because there's so much in today's uh, verses that I just feel it's important that we that we just get into it. We're starting with chapter 7. And we're going to read a few verses, verses 1 to 8, just to start us off with today's story. It says, Now when Jesus had concluded all his sayings in the hearings of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now, those of you who have been to Israel with us over the past few years will know that Capernaum was the town that Jesus lived in after he left home and came away from Nazareth. And Capernaum is right on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And there's still, uh, there's still uh, remnants there of what was a synagogue, and it's a beautiful place. So it says, And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. In other words, he was, they were saying, this centurion, this Roman is deserving of your help. For the Jews said, he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. We're just going to stop there for a moment. And the question I, I want to say this morning is, are you like this centurion? Because this centurion was reaching out to God. He, was rich, he, he, he had eyes to see that, that Jesus was not just a mere mortal man. And, and I'm asking you the question, and it's written in your notes, are you reaching to God in faith this morning? Are you reaching towards him? And as we look at, at James 4 verse 8, it says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And God is willing to see you reach out for him this morning. I believe he wants to respond to you. I believe he wants to speak specifically into your heart this morning. And here's the picture. Jesus had just entered into this town of Capernaum. And the Jewish delegation were there to come to request on behalf of a Roman centurion. A centurion was a Roman soldier who had a hundred men under him. And this centurion 
was desperate for Jesus to intervene in his life and heal a servant that he was particularly fond of. And he was coming to Jesus. I, I just It blows my mind to think that a Roman, a Roman soldier, whom the, the Jews absolutely hated the Romans, and yet this Roman soldier was searching for God and had already built a synagogue for the Jewish nation. And I think it's amazing that he was seeking after the, the God of the Jews, even though he was a Roman soldier. And so they were speaking up for him. The Jews were saying, he's, this is a good man. He's a Roman, but, but Lord, he's a good man. He deserves you. He deserves you to help him. And so this is the scene that we, that we look to. And we see that, that you know, God's eyes look for those who have faith. And this centurion definitely had faith. I love the, the verse, verses in 2 Chronicles Chronicle 16, verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are blameless towards him. If you have faith towards God, he is looking for faith in the earth. He is looking to see, is there anybody that has faith to believe me. Romans, or, uh, Hebrews 11 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. So God's looking to see, uh, is, there, is there faith in us? Are we reaching out to him in faith? And so here's the picture. Um, Jesus goes with this, these Jewish men, and as they get near to the house or to the home of the centurion, he sends another servant out to say, look, master, you don't even need to come any further. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Uh, just just say the word and I know that my servant will be healed. You know, there's something there's something very powerful happens when we realise the power of a word from God. When we realise the power that's in the word of God. When the Holy Spirit anoints a word and makes it into a living word, I'll tell you there is power in that word. And you know, if you look at at uh, Psalm 33, speaking about uh, creation, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Mm -hmm. Things were created. God spoke, it says, and it was done. There is power in the word that comes out of God's mouth. And it says in Psalm 33 and 9, For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. When God speaks, things happen. And you can take God's word and you can declare it. And there's power in you declaring what God says over a situation. And that's what we choose to believe. What God says, not what the enemy says, but what God says. There is power in God's word. Psalm 107 verse 20 says that God sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. He's a mighty, mighty God, and there is power in his word. And here's the thing. This Roman, who had not been brought up with all the privileges of Judaism, he didn't know the Torah. He hadn't been taught the Jewish laws. He, he was brought up to be a pagan, Gentile man who had become a soldier. And you know that soldiers were renowned to be rough men. They had to be rough and tough. And here is this man who looks in the natural as though he has everything going against him. And yet this man has enough faith to believe that if Jesus just speaks the word, his servant's going to be healed. And he is desperate and he is coming to Jesus and he is speaking this out. Just you speak the word and it will be done. You know, I, I wonder today about our faith. I wonder, are we willing to step out and say, Lord, you speak whatever you speak over my life. Whatever your word says, that's what I believe. There's something beautiful and powerful in that. And, and I, I ask the question, what is our level of faith today? 1 Corinthians, and tw 1 Corinthians 12 and 9 is speaking about the different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. It speaks about one, it says, to one is given the word of wisdom. And through the, through the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say, to another is given faith by the same Spirit. If your faith's a bit down, why not ask the Holy Spirit to give you more of that gift of faith? That our faith might rise. 
You know, I believe the more we read God's word and let it saturate our hearts, the more we worship him and, and speak out his word and declare his word, faith rises. And so this man, this man had great faith. And look what it says in the next verse, verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. And here's the title I put over, and it's in your notes, Faith That Shocked God. It's not amazing that Jesus, the Son of God, could just marvel. He was just, this is, he was so, God's heart was blessed because this man had faith. And I believe there's something about us looking up into the, into the face of God and saying, Lord, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to choose to trust you and put my faith in you. There's something that blesses God's heart. It says here that Jesus marveled at this man, trusting in the Lord. I love Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. We couldn't say that enough times, could we? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why don't you say it with me if you know if you know it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. He's a God who is longing for his people to put their trust, not just 5%, but 105% in him and that blesses God's heart and it's impossible to please him without faith. Faith releases what God wants to do in your life. We need to trust him and speak it out. I believe there's power, life and death and power in the power of the tongue. It's so important we speak it out. Lord I trust you. I declare that I trust you and even to sing it and to sing out those songs that would lift up your heart. And so we see that this man received his, 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 his request. His servant was healed. When he went, whenever, he, whenever they went back to the house, the servant was healed who had been sick. We have a God who heals. We have a God who does miraculous things. And you know, there are other, other centurions mentioned in the New Testament. We haven't time to look at them all. But it's amazing to me that this centurion, who was not a Jew, who was a Gentile, that he displays such great faith that blesses the Son of God. And that's what God's calling us, to reach out to him this morning in faith. And whatever's going on in your life right now, reach out and trust him. I was in church on Sunday morning and we were worshipping. And you know, there's been a couple of things coming up that I've been a bit nervous about and just been praying for. And you know, there was a moment in the worship where I almost felt I saw a picture of myself. And you know the way it talks about the, the eagle rising up with wings? Well, it was, you know, I've always loved the idea of the little baby eagle, you know, coming to the edge of the cliff and, you know, the mother kind of pushing, eventually kind of pushing, pushing the, the eaglet over. And then, you know, as the, as the baby's coming down, the big, big eagle comes in underneath with wings and raises that little flapping eaglet under his wings and soars. And there was just this picture. I actually saw myself like kind of stepping off the cliff. And it was like I felt I put my arms out and I said, I honestly felt like I was, I was stepping into, into a place where I got, the, the, the words came to me, a thermal, thermal draft of the Holy Spirit. A breath of God that's like a thermal wind or whatever you call that draft of air that would carry you. And you know, I want to declare that today, that I believe in God for that. And I, I believe with all my heart, that's not just for me. That's what God wants you to do. Whatever it is that's concerning you, whatever, whatever place you are in your life right now, God wants you to just step off and just put your wings of faith out and just let, that, let the Holy Spirit lift you with that draft, that thermal draft of air to lift you up so that you can soar. And I saw myself soaring over the next few weeks. And that's what I believe God wants us to know. He wants us to know the joy of that. And you know, that's life-giving. That gives us life. It lifts us up. At the end of, uh, of Egal's last week, 
we were, everybody had just about gone. And Joy and Jerry discovered in one of these windows down here, they discovered a little red admiral, according to Jerry, who knows these things, a red admiral butterfly. Now, this is February. Do you see butterflies in February? And it was fluttering down that window. And we went down and some of us took a picture of it. And Joy declared over the woman of Agals that this is a sign of new life. And that's what God wants us to reach out for. He wants us to reach out for new life, not for a coming day. Yes, we're going to be in heaven. Praise the Lord. If we've trusted Jesus as our Savior, then we are saved and we are going to heaven. We're going to spend eternity setting up this new kingdom with Jesus. We have a wonderful future. But you know, it's so much even more than that. It's for right now. It's for life now. It's Jesus came that we would have life and have it to the full. And God wants us to reach out to him this morning to have that new life. And you know, the picture of the butterfly, you all know the story of the butterfly. It has to struggle. There's a struggle going on for it to break out of that cocoon thing. And if you and I thought, well, we'll just help it along, we'll, through, we'll just cut that and let it come out, and that'll be easy, it would help it. It wouldn't help it, it would kill it. It has to have the struggle in order to come out. And the struggles that you're going through now are not to destroy you, but to strengthen up your wings that when you come out, you'll have colour and vibrancy and be able to fly. And that's what God's saying to us this morning. Come to me, reach to me for life, because I want to give it to you. And I'm not going to make it like pie in the sky. And it's not, this world is not easy. The Bible doesn't say it's easy. We all go through struggles. But God said, you have faith and you reach out to me and I will take you through. And that's what he did. He responded to this centurion, this Roman soldier. Jesus responded to him because he saw that he had faith and he saw his heart. And then there's these other centurions. We haven't time to look at all of them. If you want to look at them later on your own, you can. There's the one we looked at today, our man. And then there's another centurion in Matthew 27. Uh, he's the guy who stood at the cross and do you remember when Jesus died on the cross he said truly this was the son of God I love the fact that these Roman soldiers had faith in God and other ones recorded in, uh, in Acts, Acts 10 when Peter had the vision and remember the Lord sent him to the centurion who was called Cornelius who was the first Gentile family who came to faith and then there's another one in Acts 27. There's another centurion there, a man named Julius. And he, he became a friend to Paul and assisted Paul on his journey to Rome. Isn't it amazing that God had these Roman centurion, these guys who, who were over these platoons of soldiers, that God has them. And every one of them that's mentioned in the New Testament, they all have faith. God's heart goes out to Gentile people like you and me. And all he's looking for is faith. So that's the first wee story. We're going to look at three stories. The second one is from verse 11, and it's a story about a widow. And this is about God reaching out to us in compassion. Uh, let me read the story to you. It says, Now it happened the day after that Jesus went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And Jesus presented him to his mother. Some translation said, Jesus gave him back to his mother. Verse 16. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among, up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about Jesus went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. The next day he was entering into the town of Nain. Now you get the picture of him going into this town or this city, and as he's going in, he meets this, this uh, funeral procession. 
And it says that when he saw this widow and saw that her son, her only son, was dead, it says that he had compassion on her. There's something about this word compassion. Uh, John Carson's commentary says that if you have compassion, that is uh, your pain in my heart. If I have compassion, it's your pain in my heart. If you have compassion, it's my pain in your heart. And so Jesus had compassion. He was feeling the pain of this widow. And you see, we need to remember that Jesus feels your pain. Sometimes we forget this, lady. Sometimes we forget that when you weep, he weeps. That he feels your emotions. He knows what you're going through. And so he felt this woman's pain. And you see, as I thought about this, I thought, we know that Jesus was called the man of sorrows. And yes, he felt, he felt, he felt the pain of the world. He was a man of sorrows. But he's also described in the Bible, in Hebrews 1, verse 9, and in Psalm 45, verse 7, as being anointed with the oil of joy. Or and some translations say the oil of gladness. That means happiness, gladness, joy. So how could Jesus be a man of sorrows and at the same time anointed with joy? How could that be? And you see, I think we need to remember that, let me step back here, a bit of an echo there, is there? We need to remember that uh, Jesus was both sorrowful and yet full of joy. And how could that happen? He, Hebrews 5 and 8 says that though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Isaiah 53 says he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. How could it be? Well, you see, Jesus spoke, remember we read over the last few weeks the sermon on the plain? Remember we, we saw where he said, blessed or happy are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I've just written in your notes, it seems that one of the keys of happiness is to allow godly sorrow to penetrate our heart. Trying to keep sorrow out of our heart will harm us because we will live a life of pretense. And I'm asking you the question, have you allowed yourself to really feel your pain? If so, you can experience God's comfort and you can be equipped to comfort others. See, we're living in a real world where sad things happen, where there is a time to weep, a time to be joyful and a time to weep. And weeping and being real with our emotions, when we experience the depth of pain, then we can rise to the heights of joy. But you see people who try to keep that back and pretend and don't allow themselves to actually feel the pain, all they do is live in pretend land and they never experience the heights of the joy because they have been afraid to allow themselves to experience the depth of the pain. But they both go together and Jesus carried them beautifully together. And he was a man of sorrows who felt pain and felt the pain of the world on his shoulders. And yet he was the happiest man who ever lived. That is a mystery, ladies. That is a total mystery. But yet there's something about being real with what's going on in our lives and being real with our emotions. That's why we go for counselling. That's why, Because we need to get it out, we need to talk about it, we need to feel it and get And eventually the healing oil of joy for mourning. That's what happens. And we, we, we exchange the, the ashes for the oil of joy for mourning. This is the wonderful God that we have. And 2 Corinthians 1 says this, that the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations, why? That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So you go through it and you experience his comfort. Do you know what? You're all of a sudden equipped that you can comfort others with the same comfort that you received. This is the way it is. This is what God wants us to understand. And so Jesus spoke comfort to this widow. Did you notice he touched the coffin? And then did you notice that he spoke to this dead body? There's something about speaking to dead things and calling forth life. There's a power in what we speak. You know, Abraham was a man of faith way back in the Old Testament. 
And God had promised him that he would have a, a son, that he would, in fact, that he would be a father to multitudes. And whenever he didn't even have one son, he was speaking forth in faith. And it tells us in Romans 4 that he called forth that which was not as though it was already there. It says in one of the translations that I read, Abraham, in the sight of God, in whom he believed, he called forth the one who gives life to the dead. Is there some stuff in your life and it's, it seems like it's, a, it's just not going to happen? It seems like there's no life in it and it's dead. Well, you know what? You need to start to speak forward. You need to start to speak to that dead thing and to declare to come forth in Jesus' name. Yesterday I was sitting and I, I was just having some time with God. And I had a wee journal beside me. And I started to write down some stuff to God. It's good to write, good to write to God and tell him what you're feeling and record things. And I started to record down number one, number two, the different things that I wanted to speak to and to call forth. They're dead at the minute. There's no sign that they're going to happen. They're, they're not, they're, they're, there's just not, no sign of anything happening. And I started to write down those things and I started to declare, God, this seems as if it's a dead duck in the water, but you know what? I'm calling this forth as though it was already here. Is there some things that God has given you a word for that he has, that he has put in your heart that he wants to do in your life? And it looks as though it's never going to happen. Well, you need to start to declare it and call it forth. Jesus spoke to this dead child, this dead boy. And the voice of God into that dead boy's body, the result of that word that Jesus spoke to him was that this child sat up and began to talk. Can you imagine this woman as she's bringing the, going with the funeral procession? Can you imagine this picture? And, and as she's walking with this, her, her son, and he's dead. He's absolutely dead. And Jesus touches the, the coffin and speaks to him, and he sits up. And life is there. And he, she gives him back to his mother. Now, I love that whole thing about speaking, another translation is speaking of the non-existent things that, that he has foretold and promised as if they were already existent. That's what, that's what Abraham did. He spoke of the non-existent things that God had foretold and, he, and had promised. And he spoke to them as if they already existed. That is a powerful truth. That is what God wants us to lay hold of today. But here's something I, I think this is going to excite you because this really has excited me as I've looked at this. Just get your, get your imagination juices going and see, see this funeral going into this little town of Nain. And we've passed by Nain a lot. It's still there. Still called Nain. Well, it's another name on the I think. But anyway, we call it Nain. And we thought we passed by it quite a lot whenever we were over in Israel. And here's the thing. As I prepared for this, I wondered, was Jesus presenting himself to the Jews, the Jewish population in this little town of Nain? Was he presenting himself to waken them up to the fact that he, that their Messiah, was there? Now, why do I say that? Because the people who lived in Nain, they were Jews. They knew their Old Testament history. And when this happened, when this widow's son was raised from the dead, they knew their history. They knew that over a thousand years before, a couple of miles up the road, a place called Shunem, a couple of miles up the road, that one of the prophets, Elisha, had raised another young man from the dead. That was enough to get their juices going, wasn't it? For the same thing to happen a couple of miles from where they lived, they knew their geography, they knew their Bible history. And not only that, but when Jesus used the phrase, given back to his mother, that was exactly the same phrase that was used when the prophet Elijah raised another widow's son in another place. I tell you, you see, these were Jews. This, this, if you like, this picture, what actually happened, the, this was like a visual aid to them where Jesus was reenacting what had happened over a thousand years with their own prophets, with Elisha and Elijah. 
I tell you, I'm, no wonder it says here, we read it, where it says fear came upon them all. And it says, this, what did they say? A great prophet has risen up among us. I wonder, had, was Jesus actually doing this miracle in front of their eyes to awaken them that he, the greater prophet, was there? You see, Deuteronomy 18 and 15, a prophetic, Moses had given a prophetic word to say that the Lord, in the last days, that the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst and you will hear him. I wonder, was he giving them a shake-up? Like a, a, like a recall, like a memory recall of something that had happened over a thousand years when their own prophets had raised, had done a similar miracle in two different occasions. No wonder the fear came on them. And yet here was the greater prophet, Jesus, standing right before them. And, and a lot of them, they weren't actually recognising him to be who he was. You know, ladies, I want to say to you that it's possible. It's possible for us to know stuff in our head and not really allow it to penetrate our heart. It's possible to know the scriptures and to miss the reality of them. And the Jews knew the scriptures and they knew their history. And yet they weren't, they weren't seeing and they weren't hearing what was right in front of them. And that's why Jesus spoke on other occasions in Mark 8 and 18 and Matthew 11. He spoke about you have eyes to see, but you don't see. And you have ears to hear, but you're not hearing. You know, just this past week or two, I just felt like God said to me, Maureen, sometimes you're walking around and you're walking around as if you're blind. You're not actually looking at what's going on. And I honestly believe that God wants to give us a wake-up call that what we see happening around us in everyday life, that, that what we see is, is to, to invoke faith in us. What we see and what we hear, we should be bringing to the throne of grace and we should be praying and we should be using what we see to raise our level of faith. And I felt like God said to me, sometimes you're looking at things and you're not seeing me in those things. You're seeing in the natural. You're seeing the problem. But you're not seeing that I'm in the problem. I felt like God said to me, open your eyes and open your ears to see what's that problem. Well then just speak me into that problem and, and start to speak in a different way and start to, start to declare what I am saying over that situation. Life, not death. Hope, not despair. God wants us to have his heart and to see with his eyes and to hear with his ears. And it's all around us, ladies. But what do we do? We look in the natural. And, and honestly, I felt like I had been going around with my eyes shut like that. And God was saying, open up your eyes and see that there is all around you, there are opportunities for miracles. And start to declare them and speak them out. And so we've seen so far, we've seen that God reaches out to us and he wants us to reach out to him in faith. We've seen that he wants, that he reaches out to us in compassion. I believe he wants us to reach out to each other in compassion, to comfort each other. And now we're going to see that the Lord reaches out to us in love whenever we are disappointed, whenever we are full of doubt, that God is still reaching out to us. Let's read this third little story. It says in verse 18, then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. So get the picture. You need to know that John was in prison at this time. It tells us that in Matthew chapter 11, that Herod, King Herod, had put John in prison. And that while he was in prison, that his disciples came and told John the miracles that were happening with Jesus. But John's in prison and he is disappointed, I guess that he's in prison, that he's not being released. And it says here that John called two of his disciples, verse 19, and he sent them to Jesus saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Now, I want us, before we continue to read this, I want you to get the picture. John's in prison and he's on a diner. Were you ever on a diner? Were you ever in a prison-like situation and you were on a diner? Well, then you can identify. I identified with John. When the men had come to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? 
And at that very hour, Jesus cured many of infirmities and afflictions and evil spirits, and to, and to many blind he gave sight. And Jesus answered John's disciples and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. When the messengers of John had departed, Jesus began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he, he's speaking about John, of whom it was written, Behold, I sent my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before, the, before you. Verse 28. For Jesus said, I say unto you, among those born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. We're just going to stop there. Here's the picture. John is in prison. Herod has put him in there and actually if you read on in Matthew you will see that it wasn't very long after that until Herod um, decapitated him, took his head off him and uh, he died. So John's in a very vulnerable situation, he's in prison and he's already heard that Jesus is raising the dead and he's healing the sick and making the blind to see and the lame are walking. He's heard these things but doubt has gripped his heart. And disappointment, I guess disappointment is really very heavy in John because after all, the prophecies of the Old Testament prophecies had not only said that the dead would that would be raised and that the blind would see, but they had also said, and I'm going to read it to you in Isaiah 61, let me just read it to you. The prophecy of Messiah was given and of course John would have known these because he was the one who was coming to prepare the way for Messiah. And it says in Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he, the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. This is the Messiah would preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So he was doing that, healing the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now as John knew those words, I wonder... Was this the core of it all? He knew that the Messiah was going to release those who were captives and he was going to open prison, the prison house, to those who were bound. And yet John was sitting in a prison house. Now there's a conflict there, isn't there? So no wonder John was on a bit of a diner because he's beginning to doubt, well, is Jesus, is he, is he really the Messiah after all? If I'm still in this prison, is he really the Messiah after all? And, and he, was, he was so full of doubt that he sent a few of his disciples to go and find Jesus and just to, to ask him again, are you really the one? Are you really the one that, that, that we were told would come or should we be looking for somebody else? And here's the thing, ladies, that I really want to pray that God will help me to get across this morning that there is nowhere here that Jesus in any way condemns John for his feelings. Jesus is full of infinite understanding and infinite love. And he understands that John is in a bad place. But what does he do? He sends a message back to John. There's no word of reprimand. There's no word of correction. He knows that John knows. Because the disciples had already told him what was happening. But here's what he said to the disciples. He says, go back to John and tell him. Tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, deaf. And he goes over all this list of things. And he doesn't once mention the releasing out of any prison. He sends a message back to John. But he doesn't mention anything about being released out of prison. And I want to say to you that there are some times in life when it seems as though 
we don't understand why God is not moving and doing what we want him to do. John did not understand. He didn't get it. He had, he had gone before the Messiah. He had, he had gone before Jesus. He had prepared the way for him. And yet here he was and he's having a, he's having a big moment of doubt. And he's in a place of disappointment. And Jesus sends back a message. And here's what he says to him. He says, let me just read it to you again. He says, after reminding him of all these things, he says, and blessed, that word blessed means happy or joyful. Blessed is the person who is not offended because of me. See, the danger is that if we don't get what we want, and if it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen, the danger is that we can take offence, that we can be offended that God hasn't done it just the way we wanted it. And Jesus is saying that if you refuse to take offence when things don't work out just the way you thought they would work out, if you choose not to take offence, that there is a promise there that you will know joy and blessing and happiness. That is the key to joy in the midst of trouble. And he was sending this message back to John. I often think of it as almost like a code. It was, he wasn't saying, now John, you should know that. You should know better, John. He was, he was speaking words that would lift John up, that would remind him of who he was, that would remind him that he was the one that, that had prepared the way, remind him of who he was and what his, what his purpose was on this earth. And he had fulfilled his purpose. His time was coming to an end. He had done all that God had called him to do. And, and the Lord's lifting him up by encouragement and by saying, now just go back and tell him. It was as if the Lord was saying, without saying it, he was saying, look, I know John's in a bit of a downer. And you could go back and you could tell him, now don't, you know, you need to lift up and need to do that and need to do that. But you know what? Just tell him what's happening. Just, that's enough. When you just remind him of what I'm doing and what you're actually seeing with your eyes. And when you remind him it's so important that he doesn't take offence because that will be a stumbling block to him. That'll rob him of the joy. Whenever, whenever he gets that, it's like Jesus is saying, I know John, I know his faith will rise. I know, I know I don't have to go and scold him. I know the faith will rise in him and I know he'll, he'll end well. That's what God calls us to do, ladies. Sometimes we don't understand, but you know what? We have a choice. Are we going to take offence? Are we going to allow that to be a stumbling block to us so that we miss out on the joy of trusting God? So we miss out on the joy of saying, God, you do it your way. That's what Job said at the end of it. I will trust him though he slay me. There's a point comes in all our lives when we choose to trust him. Because I'll tell you ladies, there are times in all our lives when we don't understand why that didn't happen or why that did happen. There are things, there are questions that we all have. And you know what? We have a choice and we can take offence. And we can allow it to rob us and to shrivel up our hearts. So that we become, we become women who are just wizened up with unbelief and be, become cynical and become women who are not enjoying God and women that the Holy Spirit is not able to flow through. If you want the Holy Spirit who is the one who gives us the oil of joy, if you want him to flow through you, you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I will trust you. I will not take offense in this. I know that what you're working out, you're working it out for good. And so this is exactly what's happening here and we see that Jesus sends this message back to John and then after after John's disciples go I love it the way the Lord then just praises John and he says John he says he's the one that was promised he's the one if you read in Malachi 3 and 1 you'll read how he was the messenger he came and fulfilled his purpose do you know what you have a purpose on this earth do you know what's important? That you fulfill your purpose. John fulfilled his purpose. What did he say? He, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. He fulfilled his purpose. He had a bit of a wobble at the end. But the Lord sent him just the right word to steady him up. So that he would, he would end well. A man full of faith. I want to say to you this morning that God loves you. 
that he's reaching out to you. He's reaching out to you in love and he wants you to reach back in faith. He's reaching out to you in compassion and he's reaching out to you with love and understanding of whatever it is that you're going through. And if it's something that's very difficult at the minute and it's something that you're really struggling with, the Lord knows your struggle. And he's saying, don't take offence at what's going on. Trust me, and you'll begin to experience that joy. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we need to experience that joy. I've written at the end something to think about. God reaches out in love and compassion to both Jew and Gentile. His plans for this world, his kingdom, are being worked out under our very noses. And he wants you and me to be part of it. Things don't always happen the way we expect. But Jesus promises that if we reach out to God in faith, when we don't understand or are deeply disappointed, we will be blessed. We will be made happy in the midst of it. And we will have the untold joy and privilege of seeing his kingdom come. I want to remind you this morning, ladies, that there are things happening in this universe that are being set in place. There's a big picture. And God is working it out. And he's doing it under our very noses. And we can choose to go around and be like blind people walking around, not hearing and not seeing. And we can actually miss out on the excitement of what he's doing. Or we can have eyes to see and ears to hear as we hear the news, as we look at what's happening in the world, as we pray prayers to see things happening and we see God moving. God is a God who can do absolutely anything and he is at work. And the call is, are you going to be part of what he's doing on the earth? Are you going to shut off and just continue to grope your way through? Listen, now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day to take life and to reach out to God and take his hand and say, I'm going to do this with you and I'm going to trust you no matter what. And God will lead you into that particular thing that he has for you to do. He will make you into that woman that he wants to make you. There's, he wants you to be the woman that he created. He, he wants to make you more like himself. He wants you to be an open, open channel of his blessing that he can actually speak his words through you and pour his love through you and out of you to the people around you so that you see his kingdom coming, that you see things being changed around you as this world is changed. And, and bit by bit, his kingdom on earth is coming. Oh, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing truth. We have an amazing future. But let's waken up to the right now. Let's not miss it. Let's not be going around, people going around with their eyes shut. We need to be people who are alive and reaching to heaven. That we would see, his, see heaven coming to earth. That we would experience him right here and now in this moment, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would take this word, and Lord, for anyone who's struggling this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would just put like a, 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 a draft of light into their heart to show them your love and to show them that your purposes are being worked out, even if it's not the exact way that they expected, Lord, even if it's in a way that has disappointed them. Lord, I pray that you would come and turn that disappointment around to his appointment. Take the dis off it, Lord, and make it your appointment, his appointment. Lord, I pray this morning that you would do miracles in, in the lives of women here this morning. <coughs> and I thank you, God, that you're a God who works and who can stop it. And Lord, you use your word. You speak the word and it happens. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I just thought, I am going to take that tea bag this morning and pray for Maury. And while I was making the cup of tea, you know, and stirring uh, the tea bag, I thought, you know, God, over the years, you have poured so much of your word into Maury. Right, And look at how now we are going to benefit from that. Because I was stirring it around and, you know, I, I just thought of how the Holy Spirit was like the water, the boiling water. And, and the word of God was coming out. 
No, and I made the most lovely cup of tea. I love a real good strong cup of tea. You know, and I just thought of that. I just and I just felt this morning there's going to be a really strong word for the women. I just felt that as I looked at that lovely cup of tea. And then I thought, but I want to drink that. And I just, just as I was sitting there at the end, I just felt the Lord wanted me to come up and encourage you. You know, it's not going to do any of us any good if we just say, go away and say that was a good word. We need to drink it. We need to let God's Holy Spirit make it part of our whole being. You know, we need, we need to stand on the word in faith and let it infuse into our spirits so that we live it out and we live in the strength of it and in the good of it for the glory of Jesus. So I just want to encourage you to take the word and drink it in and stand in faith. And let not your heart be troubled. Right. Thank you, Jerry. Amen. We're going to sing a song together. I love you to stand. And this is a song, I believe, that will touch our hearts and encourage us. It's a song of faith. Mighty to save. He is mighty to save. So let's stand and sing it. morning that he is our saviour and we can also say that he can move mountains. Amen. Amen. We, we believe it, don't we? And we stand on that. He is a God who is mighty and who can do anything that he needs to do in our lives. Anything he needs to move, anything he needs to take you through, it's not a problem. His power is all, all might and all strength belong to him. He's a mighty, mighty God and he knows everything about you. He knows everything that's going on in your life right now. And he knows how to take you through, and better than that, to take you through and to make you stronger and mightier and more equipped to do the things he has called for you to do. So we're here. If you want some prayer, come up and we'll pray with you and uh, we'll agree with you because I believe these are momentous times that God wants us to make decisions, to have another milestone where we say, Yes, Lord, I'm not letting this pass. I'm going for you and I'm rededicating myself to you again. That's a good thing to do. I do it all the time. So let's encourage each other and we're here for prayer.